Hey everybody, I'm Deepak, co-founder of Quizzes. Nothing can stop an idea whose time has come. And if the product you're building is an idea whose time has come, then what you really need to get right is your product market fit. Product market fit is the state in which a startup's product is so powerfully useful for the market that the viral adoption loop kicks in. And this episode is a masterclass in product market fit. Quizzes is the most unique edtech startup out of India. It does not have a large sales team responsible for acquiring users. It does not spend money on Google and Facebook ads. And it does not pay any celebrities to promote it. But it's a product with massive global adoption. It's one of the most popular tools for teachers to make their classes more interactive and fun. Deepak Chinath, the co-founder of Quizzes, talks to your host Akshay Tat in this episode of the Founder Thesis podcast about his journey of finding product market fit and then scaling up through a product-led growth strategy. Stay tuned and subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast and any audio streaming app to hear about the many paths to discovering product market fit. So I was born in Ahmedabad in Gujarat. So my dad was in the government. He was an IAS officer and based out of Gujarat. Growing up, I actually moved around quite a bit between like Gujarat and Delhi. My father Mm. even went to the US for five years. So I did some of my schooling there. Then I was Mm. in boarding schools from the ninth onwards. So I was really Mm. (laughs) hopping around (laughs) a lot Mm. as a kid, barely spent Mm. more than a few years in any one place. But I think you Mm. over the 11th and 12th, even just doing computer science in school, right? You have your little mm-hmm. projects, the library management mm-hmm. app and all of that. I yeah, think I really right, right, right. <laughs> enjoyed that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I actually built like mm-hmm. a website of my own, just my personal wow. website, peoplejoy.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. still doesn't have much. But um, yeah. I think uh, yeah. by that time, I figured that I'd really enjoy programming, right? And so mm-hmm. by the time I was getting into college, I'd actually kind of decided I wanted to get into that line of, mm. you know, engineering, which I think was good. Otherwise, I may have just done the normal thing, right? Go to the best college you have and take whatever branch you get. So that, mm-hmm. I think, helped. <laughs> okay. And so you joined BITS and that's where you met your co-founder, Ankit, also, right? Yes. So we actually, again, it was fate, I guess, that they randomly just paired two kids and uh, me and Ankit were paired together. We are from, you know, very different <laughs> backgrounds and everything. Paired in, in, in a project or like as roommates? In, no, in as roommates, yeah. Ah, okay. Right. So, and we actually, often that's not with somebody else of the same branch, but as mm-hmm. chance would have it, we were on the same branch too. So even second, third, fourth mm-hmm. year, we were together because after that you stick mm-hmm. with your branch. So we were, we became really good friends then during college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Okay. So what next then once you like graduated from BITS? I think we both had some interesting, so I think some interesting journeys, but during college, I think both of us had done a lot of these little projects, whether it was for the college or just for our own entertainment and but after that you know it came time for placement just like everybody else i think you're looking for a good salary nice company interesting Mm. work 
And so I ended up at Amazon as a software engineer. And mm. Ankit joined this company called Opera Solutions, which was a mm. kind of a browser. business. No, not the browser company, actually. Uh, so oh, this is sorry. a different company, which was mm. uh, into business analytics and mm. big data sort of <laughs> analysis. And so he was a kind of a data researcher there. And okay. then he, in fact, uh, an interesting part of Ankit's journey before we got out of college, he actually interned at Flipkart. He was one of the very early folks there when they were just, wow. you know, maybe 40, 50 people. He did like uh, six months. So after working a little over a year, I think at Opera, he joined one of our batchmates uh, who was doing this startup of their own. And okay. so he did that for around a year before we ultimately started up together. Yeah. This you're talking of uh, Wizen World. So Wizen World was what we did after that. Yeah. So so t- tell me about the journey of jumping into entrepreneurship, like leaving that comfort of a job and starting that journey. Tell me about that. How did that happen? Like. What's the story there? Like? So, I mean, I think one good thing was the job itself wasn't that comfortable. I think Amazon really mm. makes you slog. Mm. <laughs> and okay. so, though I enjoyed it, uh, I had no mm. complaints about it. And mm. in fact, I think that's what got me thinking that if I'm working this hard anyway, why not think of doing something on my own? You know, we, I had actually tried a few things on my own on the side and during even my after joining Amazon and I realized I just wasn't able to do justice, right? Like mm-hmm. either you do it full time or you, you might as well not do it. So I think I was sort of in that state of mind when Ankit reached out and we started talking about maybe doing something together. We'd always we'd done these projects even in college and I think we both felt like this is as good a time as any <laughs> because... Mm-hmm. You know, before we invest a lot into our careers and all of that, Mm. why not give it a try now? I think a lot of people wonder or ask us, right? Like, how did you take such a big risk? But I feel Mm. like that was the least risky thing to do at that time because what you have to lose, right? And Mm. the worst happened, it all goes down the drain. You come back Mm. a year or two later with this great experience under your belt and Mm. you'll probably pick up right where you would have been had you just stayed in the corporate job even. So I didn't really see it as a risk as such. And I think we were always, we had this mindset that if it's not working out, we'll just drop it. We can always right. come back to our job. We had that confidence at least that we can mm-hmm. clear an interview. Yeah, that bit stack was like a safety net. I think, yeah, that helped. Yeah. So what was the, the, I mean, what did you want to do? Yeah, so I think yeah, where how this idea itself came about, we were actually thinking about different types of ideas, right? To be honest, it wasn't that we had decided upon education as the only thing. So we actually spent a couple of months before we actually took the plunge and quit our job, just brainstorming on ideas, right? Mm. Not building anything. And we touched upon finance and, uh, you know, ticket booking and all the usual suspects. And ultimately, I think at that time, I was also volunteering as a teacher. And I, I got to see the technology available to teachers to work with their students. And it mm. was, uh, you know, very uninspiring, to say the mm. least. <laughs> right? I think we've all seen. You were in the, like a Teach for India, like a formal... Uh, not a formal thing, just uh, volunteering program or just like... Okay. Yeah, the, it yeah. was this thing called Youth for Seva where okay. I would just go occasionally. Okay. It wasn't like a full, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. serious as like a full Teach for India fellowship. But I went for a few and I think that gave me this idea. 
the seed maybe and then i discussed with ankit and he was also pretty excited i think it seemed like this really interesting problem to work on and also mm. an underserved market right like at that time mm. there were great things being built right there was youtube mm. and social mm. media and all kinds of other email these great tools but we didn't see mm. that level of polish in the education domain right so we thought mm. you know mm. even we could probably build something that will be useful to people and mm. that's where you know it got started i think we were just excited about this space in general and without anything more i think we decided to just take the plunge we put in our papers and decided to shift to bangalore so ankit mm. at that time was in delhi i was in hyderabad so we both mm. sort of shifted into my brother's spare room in bangalore mm. and even uh, in a few weeks colonized the living room also yeah. but uh, <laughs> that became our office for well over mm. a year i guess mm. uh, and yeah i think like one of the smart thing i think in the respect that we did was we started by finding a school that we could work with so that yeah. became sort of our initial phase of just discovery was every week we would mm-hmm. go to the school and work with a small group of students and a teacher and mm-hmm. start building things and just showing them right and that's actually mm-hmm. where we sort of in ended up building wise in world and all of that yeah so what did you discover in that period of that one years when you were doing the discovery yeah Yeah it was interesting because it was for us at that time 2 years out of college we really didn't know anything right mm. <laughs> about much and so i think what that really helped us with is just to get that feedback right because mm. going every week and working with this very different type of audience right so the great thing about kids is they don't really hold back right <laughs> when it comes mm. to mm. you can just see the feedback on their face they yeah. are really concerned too much about your feelings <laughs> so we started with this idea of building games right we thought that would be the best way to engage a student and so we okay. make these little mini games and show them to the students and and this is for like 6 uh, to 10 age group or something like that this was middle schooler so yeah i'd say like yeah 8 okay. to 11 mm-hmm. that kind of mm-hmm. range mm-hmm. and so they were old enough that they could kind of articulate what they were thinking mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. and so actually we learned a lot of interesting things right which seem maybe obvious but that we made these very simple games and then we started elevating to more complex thinking this is going to really level up the experience but then we found sometimes kids who were not at all engaged with those more complicated things right it mm-hmm. was too complicated so there's value of keeping things simple you know how long you know somebody like ultimately learning something is a hard process right and mm-hmm. nothing can mm-hmm. take away from that but i think what we mm-hmm. realized is we are making that experience a little more digestible right a little more entertaining and uh, rewarding right breaking it into chunks that mm-hmm. make it mm-hmm. a little less painful right mm-hmm. so that's really what we discovered was it like a story in which there are questions coming in the middle like something like that it was kind of that yeah like you would start we made this that's actually out there on youtube the intro okay. video really quite yeah. bad <laughs> made on powerpoint <laughs> plus <Yeah. laughs> background track but yeah the whole the real idea was that we wanted to make this immersive this real epic mm. story where you would as you went through it you would uh, you know have to apply yourself to learn the new concepts mm. solve questions mm. and move through it mm. ultimately of course building something like that is no easy 
task for uh, mm. two guys <laughs> you know who've never done it mm. before so what ended up being built was this progression of levels where you would solve problems essentially to progress right and each mm-hmm. level had a theme and all of that but that story part was something we were still trying to get into it yeah, and we never did really yeah right i mean you would need like graphic design animation all of those skill sets which among the two of you you didn't really have to yeah and at that stage right so we copied things together using free resources and all of that yeah, but yeah we didn't even have money to pay anybody literally we were running on our savings from our you know short stints at working yeah so so you built like a test or an assessment kind of a product like well you could say it was a practice product where students okay. could you know pick a topic and sort of uh, mm-hmm. play this mm-hmm. game that helped them solve questions and they would you know mm-hmm. hints and things like that and so i think in those early days because also how we sort of built it but even as soon as we put the link out there i think we realized that this is something that teachers were going to use with their students though that wasn't mm-hmm. something we knew before launch okay. but okay. as soon as we looked at the analytics we would see, you know mm-hmm. like 25 people pop up in one place and we knew it's like a little, mm-hmm. ah okay current students a teacher is using it in school too okay and it started mm-hmm. picking up in the us in these other countries where they had that sort of infrastructure right and yeah so were your topics uh, like global topics or which you had the tests yeah definitely global like maths it was all math like simple like arithmetic and reading and okay yeah so you could say yeah from like third fourth to seventh eighth smattering of popular topics yeah okay okay and uh, this was like a web app uh, which you started and you called it quizzes or like what did yes. you call it no so this was called wise in world so this was around 2013 june was when we quit our jobs and started and mm-hmm. till around the end of 2014 <clears throat> we worked on mm-hmm. wise in world which was okay. this math learning game kind of thing where we were making the content and creating these game levels and all of that mm-hmm. ourselves yeah oh okay. it was only focused on math only on math yeah got it got it okay so so then note like how did wizen become quizzes yeah so that was so around you know during this journey <clears throat> we also got into this accelerator program gsf india and okay. there we got this opportunity to pitch our product to a lot of investors and i think the great thing about that program was we just really were forced to do a lot of pitches to a lot of vcs mm-hmm. and get mm-hmm. a lot of rejections right so i think mm-hmm. helped us refine that pitch but we also at towards the end of it we realized this product is not clicking with investors right we mm-hmm. we were quite happy with our pitch by that time but mm-hmm. just the scale of it and we were personally struggling with just keeping up with the content demands because mm. users were actually engaging and enjoying the product we had i think mm. around towards the end hit maybe 45000 registered users teachers mm. and students mm. but they would drop off in a couple of weeks or a month because that was all the content we had mm. and so mm. creating and this was yeah and there was a monetization no it was completely free as well so there was no monetization mm-hmm. either and mm-hmm. so we couldn't even pump in money or anything to churn out more mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. also i mean it took it was more than just creating questions right you had to create this game mm-hmm. experience and all of that yeah yeah you had to build in those hints and like all the okay yeah. the interactive layer on top of that set of questions exactly so we were really struggling with kind of 
churning out content and mm-hmm. we also kept hearing from students that they wanted to play with their friends right they wanted to be multiplayer which wise and world wasn't right? it was the single player mm-hmm. experience so we were at this crossroads pretty much where we weren't really getting to where we wanted to be on wise and world and so we could have either thrown in the towel as they say at that time or you know we thought we were excited about exploring this idea though right can we make something multiplayer that also is crowdsourced right opens it up for teachers to okay. sort of fill in the content and mm-hmm. that's where really quizzes was literally the simplest way we could achieve those two things right mm-hmm. because we wanted to do it in wise and world but to make mm-hmm. a system where teachers can kind of build that themselves would have mm-hmm. been a lot of work right so mm-hmm. we thought okay let's make the simple quiz game make mm-hmm. it fun and competitive we know how to build a nice experience there and let teachers put in the questions and mm-hmm. we'll make it just engaging and leverage this multiplayer dynamic and we i think built it in like a month or a month and a half mm-hmm. and put out as opposed to wise in world where we worked on it for 6 months plus before we even put out anything i think more than 9 months probably and we had really built out the whole experience right with quizzes we made this really bare bones thing which though had something useful like this fun quiz experience that's multiplayer hmm. uh, and where students can do the questions at their own pace and hmm. that was something that wasn't really available at the time like a student based multiplayer quiz most of the things that were out there had it go one question for the whole class at the same time mm. right mm. Uh, and by then we knew a little bit about how to get the early word out right like to how mm. we can get to at least a few thousand teachers we had all these forums and we built some friends among teachers so we just put it out mm. to them in fact we actually didn't even leverage the wise in world audience because we were like let's not ruin wise in world we've got something good mm. there this mm. quizzes thing may or may not really take mm. off so let's mm. try it out as this mm. separate experiment but yeah the interesting thing was a couple of months into it we could just see the trajectory being so different right this users were a lot more sticky and they were we had removed the shackles right that you can only use this for the content we've mm. made so mm. teachers just dived in started making their own content mm. and mm. they just made it their own platform and i think that's what unlocked mm. our growth i think within 2 months we had surpassed whatever numbers we had on wise in mm. world in you know year and a half right yeah Wow. Okay. So uh, I want to like zoom in on a couple of things. Did you raise funds from GSF then? Like you, you joined the GSF accelerator. So GSF happened in the middle of our uh, early part of 2014, and we did get a little mm-hmm. funding there, but that was again maybe enough to just pay us a meager salary. Mm-hmm. After we launched quizzes, we mm-hmm. actually got back with to our investors, right? Who we had pitched mm-hmm. Wise and World to, and through GSF. through uh, we had got in touch with these investors through gsf so mm. and then we just had to reach out to them again mm. and so then prime ventures which was our first real uh, investor mm. they had seen us during wise in world and they liked what we were doing but they weren't mm. really mm. seeing the growth that they right. were looking for right. but right. we had told them that we were going to build this multiplayer thing right and mm. when we went back mm. to them 3 months later and mm. said here it's built and it's bigger than wise in world and it's growing i mm. think they really appreciated that and we really much mm. Mm-hmm. got a term sheet uh, within days i think right mm-hmm. we just hired one person after we did that fundraise we got around 500000 mm-hmm. dollars mm-hmm. and this one software engineer i mean so the three of us then were building it for the next 9 months before so and our 
kind of subsequent hire after nine months was uh, a recruiter, right? Who uh, yeah. then helped us build out the rest yeah. of the team because we realized by that time it's not really our strength. You need somebody to keep the gas on, uh, you know, growing of the team. I also want to zoom in on the product now. You said it was a quiz product. Uh, was it like a Google Forms where there's a authoring interface? where teachers can do the authoring and create the questions yeah. and the correct answers. And then there is a student interface where they have questions with like, say it could be multiple choice or fill in the blank or so on, like something like that. Yeah, pretty much that, right? So uh, the only yeah. thing I, so it is kind of like that forms interface for a teacher, right? Where they create the questions yeah. in this tool. Yeah. And yeah. I think where it differs is when you actually share that with students, forms and all of these things are a very independent experience right you get your form link you fill it up and you're done hmm. whereas in quizzes you would do that together as a class so everyone would join this game the teacher would hit start and then you would see a live leaderboard and uh, uh you know that was really the yeah. experience that clicked yeah okay so like in google forms it shows you a progress tracker which is your solo progress tracker in quizzes it would show you like progress tracker of multiple people and yeah you would see your rank going up and down and uh, mm -hmm. you would on the board you could see what's happening and all of that so teachers mm -hmm. often had a projector right so that's mm -hmm. when the real there was music yeah. and yeah. animation uh, and all of that okay 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 and you gave teachers the ability to add hints and stuff like that and to make the learning so over time, yes, we added like the ability to add an explanation if somebody gets it wrong and uh, okay. add various types of questions mm -hmm. and these features that you allow a student to redo a question perhaps and reattempt mm -hmm. the whole quiz and mm -hmm. all of that so that for a teacher, it sort of just happens automatically to mm -hmm. an extent. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. And this was like, what was the monetization here? Like a freemium model that teachers could... So, we actually kept it completely free for the first five years, right? Yeah. Since we launched quizzes. Wow. So we had a long journey of keeping it free. And I think we mm. could sustain that because the growth was really tremendous, right? So I think investors mm. saw that and were ready to back us. And we also had a very low burn, right? So we had this mm. small team of, I told you, right? Like for the first year, mm. you know, investors would actually tell us, like, why aren't you, you know, utilizing this money more effectively, mm. which was a fair call out. <laughs> and eventually also we grew to 10, 15 people who are still a very small team, mostly young folks. Mm straight out of mm. college or one or two years mm. experience and so it was a very lean low burn team you were not spending on marketing or any of that stuff right so we that became actually our growth lever right having this great mm. free product that people would mm. love to share and talk about mm. and you initially got it kick-started by like personally going on to various groups and forums of teachers and like spreading the word through more of those organic outreach efforts Yes, exactly. So we that's how we got started because we didn't know anything else. So we thought, how do we get people to try this? Let's see where teachers hang out and post it there. And thankfully, there were these uh, different forums where mostly US teachers would be engaging and also they also they were engaging on other platforms like Twitter and things like that. Right. So right. Yeah. Uh, we then started figuring those things out. We would go reach out to some of these influencers on Twitter, at tech mm -hmm. influencers, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. I think one of the great things, especially in those days, was it was just this very 
close knit community right you could just reach out mm-hmm. to somebody mm-hmm. even if they had like mm-hmm. 100000 followers and say want to check mm-hmm. out this thing we're building it's this free tool mm-hmm. for teachers mm-hmm. and they would get on a call with you and then they'd actually champion your product right if they liked it mm-hmm. and we i think in those early days we really leaned into teacher feedback right we would mm-hmm. be on mm-hmm. chat mm-hmm. support we had this simple chat support widget and 24/7 we were online right so mm. in those initial days i don't even know when i slept because i was so excited yeah. to, you know we were yeah. working in the day and at night mm. <laughs> we were working from india right and mm. us mm. would come in towards the mm. evening and mm. we would just mm. stay up <laughs> and then sort of doze off <laughs> somewhere in between yeah. that that really helped us to actually figure out how to evolve the product because we had very little idea right we were not teachers so mm. but we just listened to teachers and everything they said we just tried to do it as soon as possible i think that was our mm. strength of building like a nice product experience and doing it quickly mm. engineering mm. i think has always been kind of our core strength at quizzes mm. so we just leaned into that like we would be so desperate to retain that user that we'd be like oh this guy bothered to give us feedback let's build it quickly and sometimes the same day we would email them back saying hey now your what you asked for is there or that problem you had is fixed now right yeah yeah give me examples of this evolution journey like what were some of those things which you learned that we need to incorporate these features and yeah there were so many all kinds of little things right i remember we used to let students you know teachers set the time and mm. we had up to like from 5 seconds to 5 minutes mm. and this one teacher said can you add a bigger a longer time option like 15 minutes mm. and we thought like for mm. an mcq question and this multiplier experience 15 minutes is a crazy amount of time right but you're like fine what what do we lose right we just add an option mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. interestingly after that we started seeing people say that you can use quizzes for long form question mm-hmm. if you want to do like okay. a deeper sort of a quiz you can use this platform so mm-hmm. all these sort of little things right mm-hmm. i remember in our initial 3 4 years the most popular tweet that we had was that we had this feature to print a quiz where you mm-hmm. could basically print it as a pdf right uh, the content and that was very the whole point of quizzes is so that you don't have to do that but yeah, you know yeah, yeah. teachers so we never thought about that feature would you know, a bunch of teachers said these i add the answer sheet you know the answer key to that list of questions yeah. and so we added that little thing and mm. it became our most popular tweet why is that like what? yeah so now the thing is that's the thing when you i think just listen to users right you mm. what we realized later was that it wasn't that teachers were just printing out quizzes and giving to their students right it was that they would do an activity with their class but two mm. kids would not be there ah okay right they would be at home or something and mm. they wanted to mm. give them the same quiz and they right. didn't want to make a separate game for them that just felt mm-hmm. though they could do that right they could just make another game to clicks mm-hmm. and send it to those kids mm-hmm. but they felt like okay these kids were left out so i need to give them a print out mm-hmm. that was their way of thinking and mm-hmm. so we just all for that right here so that quiz became study material in a way basically yeah it became like mm-hmm. a makeup assignment for them fascinating does the checking happen automatically like you can only do like limited type of questions which are easy to check or can you also do like questions where people can write a full sentence because the moment you go into writing full sentence then that's not something which can be automatically checked right like 
Right, right. So that uh, still remains like a limitation of quizzes, right? That largely you mm. can only do objective type of questions, but we've tried mm. to at least add variety in that where you can do match the columns or you can do a fill in the okay. blank or a drag and drop mm. uh, or drawing uh, type okay. of questions. And there are certain questions mm. where we just can't evaluate. So the teacher, like mm. by default, mm. like we let the teacher grade those manually. But okay. I think that's one area where we are, you know, looking into in that case, the leaderboard at all will not be real time if the teacher has to evaluate manually. Yes. So in those, so typically what we see is there'll be a couple of those questions in a quiz, but not mm-hmm. the entire quiz of that kind. And though we also do see where teachers have the whole quiz that way, and then usually mm-hmm. they're not using it in that competitive way. So teachers can right. actually turn off right, the leaderboard right. and those sort of things. Yeah. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. There is a more serious, like a, what we used to have uh, in our school days, like a class quiz. And a, uh, we used to have every Monday used to be a quiz day or, or like a test, some Monday test kind of a thing we used to have. <laughs> and what kind of traction were you seeing? Like, what was the peak traction which you saw at Wiser World? Mm-hmm. And then tell me like quizzes, what kind of traction did you see? So... I remember like in after a couple of months of launch, I think two months or so, we hit this milestone of a million questions solved on quizzes, right? It was way more than what we had done on Wisenworld. And mm-hmm. so like today, I could say that we end up doing that within like a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that is sort of the progression we've seen over the years. But if I talk about like 2015, we hit roughly like 100k users, right? Then we, in 2016, we kind of really in terms of percentage, we went, grew more than 10x, right? To around like uh, one one to two million monthly actives, right? Then we, Mm -hmm. the next year, we went to five, six million, then Mm -hmm. 10 million, right? In 2018. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of, Mm -hmm. in a way, it was very gradual growth, right? I would say Mm -hmm. people tend to look at where you are now, but it took us like five years to really get to like 20, 25 million active users. So it was this very gradual growth where every month we would just grow a little, grow a little, mm-hmm. uh, but steadily growing. Yeah. Okay. So today you are at 25 million MAU. So now we are at actually over around 70 million MAUs. Yeah. 70 million. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. So, so then after the initial five years, we've now had two more years since we started monetizing and all of that. And that also coincided with the pandemic and everything. So very interesting, very different two years for sure. (laughs) So, and in your users, the student is also a user? Yes. Yeah. When I talk about this, these users, uh, I'm talking about students as well. If we, yeah. Students plus teachers. Okay. So students have their own login where they can see the history of scores, like their journey they can see over there, like something like that. They can see their history and things like that. Though what we've seen is students don't really, you know, want to sit and analyze that a lot because largely it's guided by the teacher and see most of the engagement is driven by a teacher assigning it either in class or as Mm -hmm. a homework assignment, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, okay. So in case of homework assignment, it will not be like start stop by teacher, but teacher will say that over the next 24 hours, you have to complete this, something like that. They can set some timeline or even just keep some teachers have a list of 20 quizzes, which their students can come anytime and play. So quizzes that way. Now over the years, we really tried to solve for a lot of different ways in which teachers can Mm -hmm. use this Mm -hmm. platform. 
and mm-hmm. but we still try to keep accorded to so yeah let's talk about monetization so when did you decide you want to monetize you were at what number of maus when you decided to monetize and which year was it yes i'd say we actually were starting to think about it from our kind of third fourth year itself right of operation mm-hmm. and by that point we knew we had a sizable sort of we were getting to be even one of the biggest in the world right and and so far just that 500k from prime was sustaining you 500k dollars for this uh no so in 2018 we also raised another 3 million from nexus venture partners okay. and okay. so yeah but we did have another fundraising between but this was all mm. way before we started monetizing but we did have that solid growth already going what i think so after that next fundraise right from nexus we that's when we started really thinking about it and what we were actually hoping to do was to not charge teachers at that time right we knew that teachers had so much value to our platform right they're yeah. creating yeah. so one yeah. of the things we didn't talk about just that all the content is created by and we did talk about that it's all created by teachers right so hmm. that really is what has allowed quizzes to be used in so many different countries and for all types of hmm. subjects in hmm. fact we have right from school teachers to bank employees and fortune 500 company users and casual people just doing a pub quiz just because it's this flexible tool we tried ad based monetization right we had this huge user base but pretty soon we realized that's not something we wanted to do just mm. because the audience we were working with right students and mm. teachers mm. so we pivoted away from that we then we tried actually building experiences for students right like we thought if mm. we could get even one student in a classroom to pay they have essentially the same paying capacity as a teacher right the parent mm. of the student mm. so that could be this great monetization but i don't think we were ready mm. for that because we didn't have parents on our platform in teaching at that time mm. especially so then we mm. took that as a learning that you know we tried premium content right which students mm. could pay for we tried these more fancy power ups that wouldn't allow you to win but just allowed you to create like a moment in the class right like draw attention to yourself or just create this fun moment for everybody again we saw good engagement on those sort of things but the willingness to pay wasn't there because mm-hmm. i think ultimately mm-hmm. if a student has 10 dollars they're going to spend it on some actual game or <laughs> some chocolate yeah. or whatever uh, yeah, 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 than yeah, this absolutely. you know mm-hmm. platform that the teacher is using in fact so when we launched our paid product we didn't take anything away from the free experience mm. we just added some new functionality a couple of things which we knew teachers wanted which we hadn't been able to build uh, which mm. took some heavy investment so we kind of built those over a couple of months packaged mm. this thing set a pretty much like around numbers to $5 a month as the price point and just put it out there and uh, i think to our um, you know we were thrilled to see that a lot of teachers just picked that up right they started paying out of their own pocket because they just enjoyed using quizzes i think and this was something within their price range and so we saw a lot of we pretty much became profitable overnight as soon as we launched that there was also this pent up demand and all of that so i think that was when we became a sustainable company <laughs> covid must have like really given you wings right because the need for tools which allow you to do remote learning remote teaching rather like must have exploded yes for sure and though we were actually not building that right we were building for teachers and students to engage online but it was mostly hmm. happening in the classroom 
But again, I think just because we always had that engineering hat on, we always built it like, oh, it should also work if they're remote and what if there's one kid at home and all that. So we had built everything to work well in this remote setting. And I think when the pandemic happened, all of a sudden, like teachers just found like, there's this great platform that I can largely use even for free. Uh, mm-hmm. And we saw this amazing growth and I think even a great growth in our revenue as well because uh, mm-hmm. those additional features were also quite valuable to teachers. Yeah. And like, did you have to build special stuff once COVID hit or like how did COVID impact the way your business was running? Luckily, we were able to keep the site running, right? That didn't become an issue. Mm-hmm. We literally in countries, we grew like 10x overnight like literally overnight where they would announce a lockdown Mm. and the next day and over a period of like a month where all the lockdowns happened right globally Mm -hmm. we just had this huge surge like i remember india 2019 to 2020 was 30x growth for us right like you had built it in a way that it was scalable like easily scalable right we'd built it all on like cloud uh, services Mm. like aws google cloud and all Mm. that so that we were able Mm -hmm. to scale up pretty easily Mm. And what did you include in the premium plan? What were those extra things that people paid for? Yeah, so it's interesting. It was actually really, it wasn't about powerful new features, right? It was, mm-hmm. And like, we didn't know that at the time. So we had a mix of those. Like we had mm-hmm. the ability to add video and audio. We had... Uh, like the question could be a video question. The teacher could be yeah speaking out the question. And so it would make it more engaging, especially if you're doing remotely. Yeah, and especially like for language learning and those sort of things, audio becomes big. Mm. The ability to even have the student speak out audio audio. yeah, or video. And then just, I think it was around these new types of questions that you could Mm. create. Mm. And just the ability to say, keep an assignment open for longer and things like that. Mm. Mm. And Mm. little things like if your assignment runs out, then mm. being able to reopen that for say some mm. students who are late so mm. uh, eventually even uh, yeah access to our full library of content things like that it ultimately we realized that teachers wanted to save time right they wanted convenience mm. so things that mm. gave them that really worked well right uh, okay. so if i don't have to submit send out a new assignment right mm-hmm. uh, every two weeks because that was a limit we had the length of the mm-hmm. assignment so they would pay for that okay. or if okay. i just find this really great quiz mm-hmm. teachers would pay to get access to our full library so that they can you know mm-hmm. save mm-hmm. that kind of time and so you know something around bulk at grading questions things like that is mm-hmm. what sort of mm-hmm. eventually mm-hmm. made it into mm-hmm. it but i'd say in the early days there were just a few features uh, how did you create this library of quizzes that teachers could just like use as templates so we actually didn't create it at all <laughs> it was made by our users so yeah. uh, what we really focused on was giving them those really easy intuitive tools to create this interesting content and building that mm. interface to create this varied content right so different question types or adding an mm. explanation mm. or and a lot of the details in that right like a lot of the popular platforms in those days had a limit for the length of the question let's say Hmm. right Hmm. it would be 250 characters or something we would say just put it as long as you want and we Hmm. the other side of the interface that would automatically resize the text and maybe add a Hmm. scroll bar if needed so we really went deep into solving these 
I mean, seem like small problems, but not really, right? If you have to give a 500 character question and mm-hmm. that is beyond the limit, you're really stuck, you know, <laughs> that becomes a blocker uh, for a, say, English comprehension question. So those were the things. And so then what were the workarounds? They would take a photo of that passage and upload it, right? But that's not nice to read and that, you know, render well across mobile and desktop. And mm. now you can't read that out, right? So we had a feature mm. that would say, use the browser's read aloud functionality. All that mm. will fit in if this whole thing worked, right? So what we were really doing is leveraging technology in the most effective way to solve these problems. So these quizzes that were created by other users, so you like license them out so that you can offer it to the rest of the, or like how did it work? That library of content, like how did that you could think of it like YouTube, where all these creators come on the platform mm-hmm. and upload mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. stuff for the... So as a teacher, you had an option to keep it... For their audience, basically. Yeah, yeah you could keep it private like you can on YouTube, right? For yourself. Okay. Or right. you can and give access to your students and things. Or you can just mm-hmm. put it out there for the world to leverage. Okay. And teachers would do that mm-hmm. because they were also saving so much time utilizing mm-hmm. the content made by... Others, Others. so percentage conversion do you see out of free users getting converted into paid users? And you have a very large base, so I'm sure this will be a small number, but right. So, see, if I talk about globally, it's really small number, right? I'd say in the US, where we've has been our mainstay for a long time, we have a really healthy percentage there, right? So, in this five to ten percent range of our users end up upgrading in the US, and so. There we have, you know, a really good product market fit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And globally, what is the number? So that's something, I mean, I honestly don't even know the exact Sub number, five. but it would be uh, very low. So in fact, mm-hmm. in countries mm-hmm. like India and Southeast Asia, uh, we're pretty early, right? And right, here, right, actually right. the main difference is that in these countries, that decision to purchase is usually not a teacher paying out of their own pocket, right? It's usually uh, the school okay. and we uh, don't even have the sales set up right now to capture a lot of that. It's uh, a lot of on the ground selling, which we need right. to figure out. Uh, uh, like in the US, we do have uh, that aspect. So even our aim is increasingly how can we get the school or the organization to pay rather uh, than uh, the teachers uh, themselves. And right. so we offered them like a refund if their school upgrades or uh, okay. Uh, okay. those okay. sort of things yeah. as well. So that way the teacher becomes your salesperson then because she will get a refund. That's amazing. Okay. That is exactly what we would hope for, right? So you have like a offline sales team in the US, like which does these conversations with school administrators and so on. Yes, we have a team in the US and a team in India because we get the majority of our leads are actually inbound so a lot of people just coming to our website and filling up our form and And what is the kind of revenue you do now like what's your ARR currently or what do you expect you will end this year at and what is your number of paying users currently like uh, are you between 10 million and 50 million ARR like just that range that's a very wide range (laughs) yeah I think you could say yeah you could put us in that bracket sure (laughs) okay 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 Got it. Cool. Amazing. Okay. So, uh, do you consciously follow this strategy known as PLG, product-led growth? Yeah. So, what is PLG? Can you do like a PLG 101 for our listeners? Sure. Yeah. So, I'd say at least what I understand of it is where you, you know, leverage your product 
to drive your mm. growth, right? You don't try mm. to grow it through inorganic performance marketing and all of that. And like, like what you have never spent on performance marketing, right? Like, yeah, we've never spent a penny on any of that. Yeah. So for founders who want to use this kind of an approach of product-led growth, not spend on performance marketing, what's your advice to them? Like, you know, do you sure. have some broad principles you can share? Yeah. So one... I would say the most important thing that is, it's not really a hack at all, but care about your users, right? I think, and that will reflect in everything you do. So I think that is one thing because the people who end up using you in those early days, I'm sure you'll find somebody through forums and those few dozen, few hundred early users. They are people who are early adopters, right? They will try something just because it's good and they are curious. And if you engage with those people, they'll become real champions for you, right? The other, I would say, is try to reduce the friction, right, in your onboarding experience. So, like, if I talk about what's little even different today, right, when you're in the early stages, nobody knows who you are, right, what your product does. It probably doesn't even do it that well. So, to make somebody (laughs) fill up a big form and what is your role and this and that is really overkill. And you should. So, one of the things we did in early days was you could use the whole platform without getting any login prompt even, right? A teacher could do a whole class game without Mm -hmm. even signing up, right? They just found a quiz, start the game. Kids would get a game code. You just Uh join with that and you get your report, which you can download. And so we really just try to eliminate the friction. And Uh then sort of once they've got that value, we say, hey, why don't you log in? This report will get stored to your account. Right. You told me that you also fixed your onboarding experience once pandemic hit. Like, what did you fix? So I think a lot of it was just, I mean, we did a lot of experiments to just lay out of the landing page, right? Things around, you know, uh, there were core parts of our flow, right? Where Mm. once you, you know, you essentially sign up and then you search for a quiz, there you, you know, just the CTAs on that page things like okay. that and some parts mm-hmm. around classroom creation and those sort of things oh, okay. certain okay. Okay. coming back to plg any other principles your was purely word of mouth like no there was no incentive for people to like there was no incentive led viral strategy yeah there was no incentive yeah right i think one thing i could say though which again is a little hard to achieve but create that that inspiring moment for a user right something which they like to share right so that if you don't have that incentive right like how we achieve that this was a little feature we had from the very first release after Mm -hmm. every question you would have this funny meme that would pop up right it was just a random like a funny image which is if you got it right it would be something about that if you got it wrong it would be some joke around you know it's okay Okay. that you got it wrong or just making light of it i remember like in mailchimp right when you would have to send out your like mailchimp is like an email campaign tool and so they would have this monkey mascot and so when you would have to send out your campaign it's Mm. always this moment of slight nervousness right did i get it all correct (laughs) so they would have this animation of this finger sort of shivering over this red button and so it's Okay, like like be, making your product a little quirky. And uh, it depends uh, on your uh, industry, right? But I think definitely. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
what about starting your revenue flywheel any advice on that like what is the stage at which you monetize a user like after how many days of signing up or is there a <laughs> milestone after which you feel yes this is high likelihood of conversion and how do you push them uh, you know is it like gentle nudge or what is it like, like some yeah i think i mean honestly i'd say i don't think we are the best at that right? we took a long mm-hmm. lot longer probably than we should have to monetize mm-hmm. what we've seen working is like once you've launched your monetization plan right i think it's definitely a bit of a gamble right you take a bet on mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. that you think mm-hmm. will and to figure that out we had five years of feedback right people asking for features mm-hmm. and things like that i think mm-hmm. we knew there were these three four things that they want that mm-hmm. we had just then decided these are the top requests we'll mm-hmm. put these into mm-hmm. the paid plan uh, and i mean not just the top requests like a lot of the top requests we put for free also but mm-hmm. some which were heavy investments for us or we felt were very differentiated features or hard mm-hmm. to build and sustain so those sort of things went into the paid plan but ultimately i think that of course what is tough for you to build isn't necessarily what the user wants to pay for but you know really just keep looking at what's working right so we had a lot of learnings in that journey as well right we realized that some of a lot of these powerful features were not things teachers wanted to pay for because that's still more work for them right if i give you a more fancy type of question that you can create it's probably more work to make that type of question also and that's that we realize not necessarily something people are really excited about do you get an seo benefit like so you said you are like a youtube of quizzes where there are these creators who are essentially like education creators you can say who create these quizzes and so does that give you like a benefit in traffic we swap for like millions of google queries for all types of content again that became a great thing for us because it was again our users who were doing this mm. for us right so mm. they were create probably the questions they needed which chances are other mm. people also need so mm. the questions the title of the thing and now we have actually gone beyond just quizzes as well where teachers mm. can create lessons or more instructional content so all of this is now kind of showing up on google and it becomes a huge source of new users so i'd say like especially outside the us a lot of our growth came from seo right people either searching for a quiz platform or an online teaching platform and then also searching for the content itself which is a huge part of the traffic that comes in okay so tell me about this like are you now pivoting into becoming an lms like a learning management system from just a quizzing platform so not a learning management system what we want to really focus on is the the learning journey itself right okay. so i would say one is just building out these interactive experiences right like mm-hmm. we want to be the tool that integrates with your lms but mm-hmm. that you actually use for learning for teaching for practice mm-hmm. for homework for mm-hmm. assessment and for mm-hmm. checking the pulse all of that right we want mm-hmm. to own that mm-hmm. teacher student engagement around learning i think what we are building for that a lot of other companies aren't doing is for that classroom experience right like or that classroom environment students and teachers right whether it's mm-hmm. physically in the classroom or at home or remotely and all of that but solving for that really making that teacher student interaction more meaningful and delightful so you're not building a video like a pre-recorded video lesson tool but you're building an interactive video class tool essentially 
So, in fact, we don't even do the whole video part, right? That they still use Zoom or whatever they use. But we are building the engagement tools that work with all of this. So, mm. Okay, so while on the Zoom calls, there can be a link which is shared with everybody and which can open up a whiteboard for them and you can yeah. have all of these interactive features. God, God. Right, so you can have a, like a lesson where the teacher is going through slides, then pops up a question so like again, usually teaching becomes this one-way broadcast, usually mm-hmm. just zone out after a point. Mm-hmm. So now the teacher mm-hmm. can ask a question, they can, we have these fun features where they can just spin a wheel and mm-hmm. pick the next student who gets to answer a question. Yeah, so yeah, all of these yeah, just right. add some level of just mm-hmm. wake kids up mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. keeping them in, engaging with that experience. Yeah. Uh, so instead of using PowerPoint to project you use quizzes to project like you can upload your presentation on quizzes and project that and intersperse it with the interactive all these interactive tools yeah so you have like a authoring tool for creating these slides yeah so we have that authoring tool or you can even import from your existing slides Mm -hmm. and so really what we are not trying to innovate on being the best slide creation tool there are great tools out there right like use them and then but you can import and then make it interactive is what we are really trying to do do you do stuff to for community building no allowing people to comment and like and all of that like the typical social media Mm. uh, techniques like what social media does one of the challenges is just the whole safety issue right that ultimately when you're working with students Mm. uh you have to be a little careful about so, you know, we do a lot of, you know, we do a lot of automated checks and uh, on our content that's created, right, to make sure that nothing inappropriate comes in. And so there can be a lot of negativity also, right, when, and the thing is, it just takes one bad actor, right, somebody who criticizes the creator of a quiz or uh, that sort of thing. So we want to be a little careful about opening up that kind of words. Commenting is a double-edged sword. Like, <laughs> yeah, it could backfire so you don't want to risk that the sign up process for teachers and students is different like they have a different onboarding flow uh, yeah there is a different experience there and in fact they don't even need to sign up so again this mm. we've always tried to keep you can just put the name and start yeah just put their name and get in or mm. put any name really so like your homepage right now is not really like a YouTube kind of an approach, but it's more to get teachers to sign up instead of yeah. having a homepage which directly shows you quizzes of teachers. Why did you take that call? Like, So, I mean, we what we've seen is that if we just directly drop them on to, I mean, as, as soon as you sign up, that's actually what you land on. It's right? something like okay. a YouTube homepage. Okay. Okay. But okay. before that, it's quite a lot to figure out on your own like that this is a Uh, platform to engage a group of students and all of that so that's kind of why we've gone with this approach right 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 plus this approach would give you better conversion rates in the long run right right we've seen that yeah okay got it amazing so and you just had a pretty big fundraise last year tell me about that oh sure i think one of the things we had not done a good job is growing the team during this journey right we Kind of in our first year and a half, we got to a certain size and then pretty much with that team, we built Mm. sort of, you know, it grew Mm -hmm. a little, of course, uh, but Mm. like two, three people every year sort of a growth. Mm. And what now we ended up having to do is all of a sudden, as soon as we monetized, we were making, you know, relatively a lot of money. So Mm. we could easily justify a much larger 
you know, deal. But, but, why did you need to raise? You raised like 30 million from like Tiger Global, among others, 31.5 million, yes. I believe. So what was the need to raise this round? Like, because you were making money anyway, like. So I think we felt that this was like one thing, just if I'm being very honest, right, is that when you're that small of a company and nobody has heard of you, you need some validation. It definitely helps with building that brand. And also that we do have, I think we need to get better at maybe thinking about growth more systematically, right? And how do we grow more aggressively, sort of put fuel into some of these fires that are going. And that's where I think this, I said that we have never spent on paid marketing, right? But it's not that I have anything against doing that. We just didn't have any money to do it. But there are people. Yeah, yeah. it was, you were forced to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's been a good learning for us, but it's not to say that tomorrow we won't look at effectively leveraging marketing. So right now, US is your top market. After that, who else is it? Like, what are your... So in terms of user base, I'd say Southeast Asia is the next big one for us. And so Indonesia, Thailand, Vietnam, Malaysia, Philippines, a lot of these, India as well. So this is an area where we've grown a lot. Also, South America, like countries like Brazil, Colombia, Peru, even in Europe, we have a number of countries, Poland and Israel. So, in fact, it's very, it's hard even for us to know why we work in certain countries and not in others because we just see it post, you know, the thing happening. And then we try to further feel that by supporting mm-hmm. the language better and getting in touch mm-hmm. with users there to understand mm-hmm. that's kind of big countries, right? So what's your advice to aspiring founders? Yeah, so I think the one thing I would tell people is that it's really a journey, right? Not a destination. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you need to find ways to enjoy that journey, right? First of all, it starts with picking something that you're excited to build, right? For whatever reason, right? We picked education, not because we had a particular background in it but it just Mm -hmm. felt like an interesting problem that we would Mm -hmm. love to work on Mm -hmm. but it turns out also that's a user base that's a pleasure to work for right teachers Mm -hmm. are Mm -hmm. great users to get feedback from they'll promote Mm -hmm. you they'll Mm -hmm. talk about you and they don't want anything in return right so you will have to find those things in your journey right that really Mm -hmm. drive you and motivate you Mm -hmm. because without that it's really hard to you know, just keep it going, you know, day after day, because every day is not going to, or even every month or even a year might go by and you don't really achieve anything that is meaningful to anybody outside of yourself or your team, right? And so I think really just enjoy what you're doing and care about, you know, who you're doing it for, right? And I think with all startups, one, your real advantage is speed, right? That how quickly can you do that right and how can you do something that you know a team of 50 people can't do with mm. you know three people who don't know much of anything yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. amazing amazing and that brings us to the end of this conversation i want to ask you for a favor now did you like listening to the show i'd love to hear your feedback about it do you have your own startup ideas i'd love to hear them do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in the show i'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests Write to me at ad at thepodium.in. That's ad at t-h-e-p-o-d-i-u-m dot in.